Our second lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter, the first eight verses. This is the very famous passage when Isaiah talks about seeing the glory of the Lord in the temple. Listen now as I read, because I'm reading to you from the word of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance on him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. The pivots on the thresholds shook at the voices of those who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe to me, for I am lost. For I am a person of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the sovereign the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin has been blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, if there be something said which is displeasing to you, strike it quickly from the minds of those who hear. But if by your amazing grace something of your truth be made known, let none of us step away from it until your will is done in our lives and through our lives into the life of a waiting and a wanting world. Amen. Well, it's good to be home. It's so good, in fact, that I want to start out this morning by telling you a story about this, which was my home church for roughly the first two decades of my life. I confess I'm a little fuzzy on some of the details, but enough of it remains vivid that I can share the story with you. I would have been a first-year student in college at the time, attending Guilford College just down the road here in Greensboro. I lived on campus 
but I was close enough that I could still come home a lot on weekends. On the occasion that I remember, I had come here to worship with my parents on a Sunday morning. Joe Mullen was preaching. Joe Mullen of blessed memory. Joe Mullen after whom and in honor of whom this entire distinguished preaching and teaching series is named. He would, in fact, only recently have arrived here at First Pres. He was called to this pulpit in 1971, which coincides with my last year at Page and my first year at Guilford. The occasion lodged in my memory may well have been the first time I ever heard him preach. My parents and I were sitting, as was our custom at the time, by the Green Street entrance. That much I remember. Other details are hazy, except for the text of the sermon. It was a passage from Deuteronomy that I don't think I had ever heard before. And frankly, I don't even remember what Dr. Mullen did with it in his sermon. I just remember that hearing him speak it changed my life. He quoted it, obviously from memory, everything he ever said from the pulpit, he said from memory. The words were from Deuteronomy 33:27, the Revised Standard Version. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, I can't say why exactly, but that image took hold of me. As I said, I was a college student at the time, doing what college students do best, and I see some college students that I taught a few years ago there, so I know this is true, raising skeptical questions about what I'd grown up thinking. Childhood images of God as a bearded old man sitting on a throne just didn't work for me anymore. In fact, I can remember lying in bed at night and thinking about saying my prayers, but wondering why I should, wondering if there really was anybody up there who was listening. Without a God image that worked for my collegiate worldview, I was finding harder and harder to believe in any kind of God at all. But then Joe Mullen said, with that quaver in his voice that convinced you he really felt what he was saying, the eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And I believed him. His words, Deuteronomy's words, came to me at that moment as wonderful words of life, to quote from the old gospel hymn. At that moment, in fact, seated under the Green Street balcony, I felt those arms. I felt the undeniable presence of something that was underneath and undergirding, holding me and the entire fragile fabric of this creation in being. Not a God 
up there presiding, but a God underneath sustaining. That was enough of an image to bring me back to faith. It changed my life. It became the keynote of a reimagined theology that turned me into a religious studies major in college and graduate school. Fast forward another few decades, it made me a hymn writer as well. In fact, one of the first handful of hymns I ever wrote featured the everlasting arms. I wrote it for a colleague at St. Andrew's Presbyterian College where I was teaching at the time. Her mother was in the late stages of Alzheimer's disease. Her father, as the primary caregiver, was growing increasingly frail himself. I wrote the text as a way of offering what support I could, as a way, in fact, now that I think of it, of repeating those same wonderful words of life that I had heard from Joe Mullen back in 1971. I never dreamed those words would end up in denominational hymnals. We'll sing them in just a moment, but first I want to tell you a little more about the text. The first stanza speaks about how dementia makes its presence known in fading memory, in faulting recognition, dimming eyes. The second stanza speaks of those whose aging brings not a lessening of memory, but a general wearying from having worked so long at earthly tasks, including the task of caregiving. And yet, the hymn affirms that unlike our memories, God's memory never fades. And unlike our arms, God's arms are unwearying and everlasting. Listen to the text. When memory fades and recognition falters, when eyes we love grow dim and minds confused, speak to our souls of love that never alters. Speak to our hearts by pain and fear abused. O oh God of life and healing peace, empower us with patient courage by your grace infused. As frailness grows and youthful strengths diminish in weary arms that work their earnest fill, your aging servants labor now to finish their earthly tasks as fits your mystery's will. We grieve their waning, yet rejoice believing your arms, unwearied, shall uphold us still. Within your spirit, goodness lives unfading. The past and future mingle into one. All joys remain, unshadowed light pervading. No valued deed will ever be undone. Your mind enfolds all finite acts 
and offerings held in your heart, our deathless life is one. Let us remain seated as we sing. The eternal God is your dwelling place. 
and underneath are the everlasting arms. Now, I am more a teacher than a preacher, so I have some questions for you to ponder for the coming week. When have you felt the presence of those arms in your life? When have you known or most needed to know that you are eternally held in God's heart? When have you heard a wonderful word of life from someone? What was that word? Who spoke it to you? What impact has it had on your living? When have you had the blessed opportunity to speak a wonderful word of life for someone else's benefit? In both our first and second appointed lessons for this morning, we meet people encountering wonderful words of life and commissioned to share those words with others. Simon on Lake Gennesaret hears Jesus say, put down your nets again. And skeptically, reluctantly, he does so, and an entire shoal of fish pours into those nets, so many that the nets are in danger of breaking. And overwhelmed by this gift, Simon can only think of his own unworthiness to receive it. Depart from me, he says, for I am a sinful man. Centuries before that, Isaiah in the temple saw a choir of seraphim soaring high and heard them calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with God's glory. And his reaction, too, was to recognize how unworthy his words were by comparison. Woe is me, he cried out, for I am a person of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Are we any better? Any better than Simon or Isaiah? How worthy are we? How clean are our lips? How much of our airtime is given over to words of awestruck praise, holy, holy, holy. And how much of it to triviality, gossip, rumor mongering, complaining, what one commentator I like has taken to calling political porn, taking prurient delight at being appalled by the words and deeds of people opposite us on the political spectrum. I heard that same commentator refer to a particular politician as someone whose GPS never directed him to the higher ground. And I started to laugh, and then I realized that the gleefulness in my chuckling made me not one whit better. But Jesus raises Simon up and commissions him for a new ministry. And God in the temple commissions Isaiah, whom shall I send? And who will go for me? Simon and Isaiah are both sent out 
to become bearers of wonderful words of life for worlds desperate to hear them. And so, of course, are we. Fortunately, we do not need a flying seraph to touch our lips with a burning coal to ready us for the task. All we need is to commit those lips to the regular practice of praise. It will come as no surprise to you that as a hymn writer, I suggest singing is one of our best pathways to honor that commitment. The songs that we sing burrow their way down deep inside us to a place from which they can bubble back up spontaneously during the week when we're walking or talking or driving or working or cleaning house. In fact, the songs that we sing lodge in our memories so deeply that they are one of the last things to fade when everything else slips away. Opening our lips to praise the Lord can be our way of passing along wonderful words of life. When we sing, whether beautifully or tunelessly, whether alone or with the gathered body of Christ, we can be confident that the everlasting arms are underneath us and the holy breath of God sustains each one of our own. Thanks be to God. <laughs>